from the Asgard Company Studios in beautiful Wichita Falls, Texas, from the finest mind in the modern fitness industry, the one true voice in the strength and conditioning profession, the most important podcast on the internet, ladies and gentlemen, starting Strength Radio. Welcome back to Starting Strength Radio. It's Friday. Therefore, you are. Every Friday, here we are, Starting Strength Radio. And uh, today we're here with our friend Brent Carter. Brent is the manager, owner, what would you call yourself, head honcho at Starting Strength Dallas. We'll just call it head coach. Yeah. Notice the... Matching shirts, <laughs> different colors though. Different colors, At least they're different well, last colors. Last time we had a Dallas guy on here, you guys were wearing the same colors. Well, I and changed. we had to, and we, so we had to. You and Andrew had the same. Me and Andrew had the same color on, so we had to. Who switched him or me? I can't uh, remember. I think you did. Maybe I did. That's why I brought a spare. So I've got I got a deeper inventory of shit than right. Andrew does. Yeah. Right, I've got thousands of shirts over there. So you know today. We chose the same, and I think it's perfectly appropriate because we're going to be talking about starting strength gyms and who works in them and why. So, Brent, thanks for driving up this afternoon. Sure. Uh, we, uh, we know, we've known Brent for several years. Brent got involved with our organization quite some time ago and, and has been instrumental in helping us develop uh, the coaching development course that we run here that helps people become starting strength coaches. And uh, in fact, today what we're going to talk about really is the process of becoming a starting strength coach, what makes starting strength coaches different than personal trainers, and what to do if you would like to become a starting strength coach. If you're working in this industry right now, we have job openings. We need some help, and we pay. We pay much better than they do. But we require things of you that you may not be capable of doing right now. So we're going to talk today about all of these kinds of things. Brent, you were involved with an organization called uh, Focus NYC for quite some time. What mm -hmm. did Focus do? So Focus Integrated Fitness uh, basically had two companies. One company was the personal training side of things where we specialized in on-site training. So our trainers would go and be sent out to uh, our clients in Manhattan and in the, in the boroughs, and our trainers would train them there, or they'd train them in Central Park. So you like would that. provide training right. for... Yeah, personal training. Right. That's right. And uh, later on, um, probably in 2010, 2011... Uh, Focus Integrated Fitness also created an education company called the Focus Personal Training Institute. And that was a mm -hmm. vocational school for people who wanted to become personal trainers. Well, what did you teach them? Uh, when I started out, I pretty much just taught the curriculum as it was laid out. Mm -hmm. um, and as I was granted more tenure there and uh, was given a little bit more control, I started to work in, obviously, more of the things that I think are useful and valuable, which, of course, is starting strength. So as I started to take over more curriculum, started to take over more roles there, I started to integrate and uh, put more of the starting strength material into the curriculum. So what is different about a, a vocational approach to 
personal training than, for example, the approach that lots and lots of people take, which is to go try to obtain a four-year degree in PE well, no, or ex-phys or biomechanics right. or kinesiology or exercise science or whatever right. it's called at that particular school. You guys had a different approach than that. Yes. What yes. was it? Well, and, and uh, my background, my bachelor's is in exercise science, so I can you know speak to this from both sides of things. And as the name implies, the vocational school, the job, the, the goal is to get a job. Right. And that was one of my roles uh, at that school was to help in the placement of our graduates. I think that it's interesting that um, a lot of people go to college, go to a four-year degree, take a bachelor's degree in something, and think that at the end of that time, they're going to get a job mm -hmm. with it. Uh, this is 1960s thinking, but uh, as uh, um, people that manage Starbucks know, you can hire people with history degrees for, what, $10, $11 an hour to make coffee. It's not a problem, is it? So, you know, most of the, <laughs> most of the employees at Starbucks have a four-year degree just not in making coffee. Why, why do you think that people still think that a four-year degree in a, in, a, in a field of study that doesn't have any bearing on the marketplace makes good sense? Well, I think that the universities and academia has done a great job positioning themselves and marketing that. You know, it's, and it is marketing, it, isn't it? Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, everybody now, you know, I think a lot of us still think, okay, high school, what comes next? College comes next. And there's the stigma, you don't go to college, you're a, you must be a fuck-up. Yeah, you're a moron if you don't go to college. Obviously. You, you can even get into community college. But, but you know what really that means is if you've got to go to four years You've got to go to the 13th, 14th, 15th, and 16th grade to complete a basic education. Guess what didn't get done? <laughs> basic education, K through 12. That's a good point. Right? Yeah. And, uh, it, you know, it and very well. And that's true well, in it, cases. It, it's, it's true in the majority of cases. Right. It's true right. in the majority of cases. Uh, you know, when I, was in, when I was a little kid, we didn't have kindergarten. You know, one through 12 took care of everything. Hmm. I didn't go to kindergarten. I didn't even know what that was. I heard about it on TV, but hmm. I didn't know anything about it. And, uh, you know, you could argue that since I graduated in 74, that uh, things at that level are not as good now as they were back then. But I don't know that. I don't remember learning that much in high school. I really don't. Uh, when I went to, went to college... Uh, I had a science emphasis and stuff, and I certainly learned a whole bunch of stuff there that I had no exposure to in high school. Mm -hmm. But if you go from uh, from high school to a PE degree, I think maybe you need to rethink that. I right? would. Well, I think depending upon what you're trying to do, 
Yeah, probably. Now, if it's your goal to teach in like a you know academic setting, right. then yes, you're going to have to jump through those hoops yes. and you're going to have to get those papers because they won't let you teach without it. Yeah, you get published. You got to play this game that professional researchers play to pretend like they're scientists. But I don't think that's most people who signing up for that I, type of degree are trying to do. I don't either. I think that they've been I think they've been lied to. I think they've been marketed at by the by the college and university system. And I think that a much better approach to most employment is a good solid basic education mm -hmm. in the foundational material that you're going to be building off of. And then uh, professional exposure, mm -hmm. apprenticeship, journeyman, right. master level, that kind of that kind of professional exposure to to the practical aspects of the job you want to hold. Sure. And I would assume that's the the approach that you guys took at Focus, right? Yeah. So obviously there's classroom time. You know, we had two main courses. There was our 300 hour course, and then there was our our extended 700 hour course, and um, the 300-hour course, 150 hours were in the classroom, and then 150 hours were out on the training floor. Because, mm -hmm. you know, even if all you're doing is the practical component, you need to still understand the anatomy. You need to understand the biomechanics, sure. and that stuff is taught better in a classroom with a whiteboard and doing sample problems and whatnot. But even our extended uh, master course uh, was 600 hours at the gym, uh, at the at the school, rather, 300 in the classroom, 300 out on the training floor, and then a 100-hour internship where they were responsible for uh, securing an internship, and we had certain criteria that had to be met within that 100-hour uh, internship. And most of the times, the internship itself led to the employment, which is one reason why we had an extremely high placement rate for job placement mm -hmm. upon graduating of our courses, particularly the master course. Uh, we get requests uh, over at the gym across the street here all the time from Oh, two or three months, people will be contacted by people who want to become interns. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, you know, the, the question is, is really one of uh, practical necessity. What, if I get a kid that wants to come be an intern with me, how does that help me out at the gym? You know, right. what do they know how to do that I need done in a barbell gym? Well, starting out. Since they've never done any barbell training at all. Starting out, it's nothing. Nothing. Nothing whatsoever. Nothing. You know, right. I can take out the trash, you know. I mean, we don't generate so much trash that we have a full-time position for somebody taking <laughs> out the trash. Sure. So, uh, the, you know, somebody that walks in from a, from a, PE degree, an exercise physiology degree that doesn't know the difference between a deadlift and an upright row is of no use to me at all. Yet they have been taught by their professors that internship is, a, is the way that they need to go. I'll actually go a step this. further. I'll actually go a step further and say that if you have a degree in a related field, it's actually harder for me to work with you as an mm -hmm. intern, because it's not that you don't know how to do barbell coaching. That's fine. I can teach you how to do barbell coaching. The problem is that you think you think you already know. You think you already know yes. because you've already been indoctrinated into you know the uh, evidence based 
approach. Mm -hmm. And that's that's challenging for somebody like me who's in an employment position and you know it there's not as much of a willingness to learn. One of my right. one of my best apprentices, I mean, of my apprentices, the best ones don't come from that background. Right. Because they approach it from a beginner mindset and they want to learn everything from the ground up. And it it benefits them because the exercise science approach Yes, you you know you're still learning the basics and the foundations, but you have to learn you know stuff that doesn't necessarily apply, mm -hmm. right? I, I took uh, comparative vertebrate anatomy, where I'm going to compare you know a shark to a cat, yes. stuff like. And Th okay, these neat. things are that stuff is terribly interesting. To neat, me sure, because it's it you're basically you're studying the effects of evolution, and it's uh, it's morphology over time, that sort of thing, but it doesn't apply to the deadlift and uh you know i had a i had a, a girl come in uh oh three or four weeks ago that uh oh i'd spoken to her somewhere she recognized me and and uh she stopped by the gym just out of the clear blue walked into the gym she said i just wanted to know what you guys do here and uh so i kind of you know stopped a minute showed her around and uh she wanted to talk and uh, uh, kind of was hinting that she wanted to talk about an internship. And I said, well, let me ask you a question. How would you show somebody how to deadlift? Mm -hmm. And she didn't even know what I was asking her. I don't think she even knew what I meant by how do you show somebody. We just... You you know, you deadlift it for them and show them how to do it. Well, her, ba her background was what? She has. She was finishing a master's degree in exercise physiology. Yeah, and it doesn't uh, surprise me. Six though. years in school, mm -hmm. and I don't know what she was qualified to do. To do do. I mean, she qualified to tutor somebody. Teach. Yeah. You Teach. know, in in that in that curriculum, but. In that terms curriculum. of a practical application, you leave the college with your piece of paper that says master's in X phys. Now what do you do? I don't know. You go apply for a job with, <laughs> you know, Starbucks is what yeah. you go do. Yeah. Uh, because I guess you could go set pins at Gold's Gym. You didn't right? need that piece of paper to do that to begin with. Not though. really, did you? No. No, like, you don't. And how much money did you spend getting that piece of paper? Yeah. So... No, I started training when yeah. I was in school still. Right. So you, right. I, and clearly. Learned, and you learned more training yourself yeah. than you did from yes. the curriculum. Now, didn't you? Now, that yes. is a terribly important, yes. that is a terribly important uh, piece of information that we'll talk about a little bit more later. But every starting strength coach uh, that has, not manage to just bluff his way through the program. That happens. It's happened once or twice, hmm. but not very often. And uh, every one of these people that's a competent coach has been under the bar themselves, and they have ground out the fifth rep of a heavy set of five. And that's where you learn things. That's where you learn things. You don't learn them from other people telling them to you. You learn them for yourself. Now, this is true of every trade, and I would say that we are more of a trade 
than we are anything else. This is this yep. is true of every trade uh, that functions in a viable economy. Electricians, plumbers, carpenters, mm-hmm. cabinet makers, mm-hmm. pipe fitters, mechanics, welders, mechanics learn by doing. Mm-hmm. They don't learn by reading. They don't learn by other people lecturing to them. Now there are important lecture components to the right. things that you must know right. is in terms of background information uh, to function as a barbell coach. You have to know some physical science. You have to know anatomy. You have to know quite a bit of anatomy. You have mm-hmm. to know physiology because it applies to how we set up training programs. All this stuff you have to learn, and you, you can teach this to yourself. You can learn it from coursework. But when it comes time to start an appointment, a personal training appointment, a coaching appointment for which you are being paid, your ability to teach someone to do the fundamental exercises that comprise strength training is predicated on your having done them yourself. And I, we don't have any coaches anywhere in this system that aren't lifters. Right. There are, there's no such thing. Right. There's just no such thing. I don't, I don't know how you would possibly accomplish this. How would you learn what to say to somebody who is struggling with a heavy squat? You have to have done it. Having not done it yourself. You just have to have done it. You know, well, you got to try harder. No, no, no. (laughs) I'm sorry. That's, that you don't get paid for that. Well, you don't get paid for telling somebody to try harder. Your grandmother can tell you that. Okay. Um, so, uh, starter strength coaches represent a uh, a different set of skills than a typical personal trainer uh, possesses. What would you say Definitely. those the the differences in those two uh, trades essentially are? Well, the goal of the starting strength coach is to get their client, to get their lifter stronger, I mean, obviously, right? And that may or may not be the case with the personal trainer. But I, what I can say most definitely is the number one goal of the personal trainer is, is sales. Sales yeah. and retention. Right. And it's a, sometimes it's a dirty, dirty business, a dirty industry. I had one senior trainer who was you know, trying to mentor me a little bit when I was a younger trainer saying, okay, when they're getting ready for their package to expire and they're about to re-up, change a program. Change a program so they won't know what to do next, so they have to right. re-sign up with you. Right. And, you know, that, that just goes so far away from what we do yeah. as starting strength coaches because the, you're not paying us for the program at first. It's so damn, so dumb simple. Right. It's, 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 it's the quality Very straightforward. It is, we are not coaching exercise variety. We are not teaching right. you a new movement every time you come in. We are perfecting a movement that you already know that really is very, very difficult to execute perfectly. And our job is to refine the quality of that movement, mm-hmm. not to decide on a new movement to do this week. So we're, we're in different, we're, we're in completely different lines of work. No, we do have to say that there are obviously exceptions. There are personal trainers out there who take this seriously, and their number one right. goal is to improve the the well being 
of their clients. And you if know. you're one of these people, we want you to get a hold of us because we need yeah. you on our side. Right. Okay. Right. But I would say that the goal of a personal trainer in a big gym is to involve uh, their clients in the use of as much equipment on the floor as they can put used to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my because old. The, because the, they've invested heavily in this floor <laughs> full of equipment. True. Absolutely. And uh, they want to see it in use. Well, and because it's easier to use than a yes, barbell. Most personal is. trainers don't know how to actually use a barbell. No. The gold standard, right? The CSCS. Gold standard. Do you know how many pages are on the squat? In their book? In their book. Yeah, in their Probably textbook. Probably two. Yeah, two. Probably two. I've never two. seen a textbook with more than two pages. Yeah, it's two. Because all you do is you put the bar in your bag. Right, yeah. And you sweat down. Oh, and that's with a picture. And you stand back up. There's pictures, too. Right, that's and there's pictures. <laughs> yes, and there's pictures. The conventional wisdom side of this deal are the certifying agencies. Mm-hmm. And, uh, for example, the the primary uh, programming book that that particular bunch of people has published is called, uh, uh, well, it's, it's Bompa and Hoff. Now it's... Uh, what is that thing called? Uh, uh, periodization for strength training or something like that. Never read it. The entire book, it's not a long book. The entire book fails to include the word deadlift. <laughs> the word deadlift does not appear in a book about programming for strength training. That sounds like a problem. Uh, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Because you might need to program the deadlift different well, than your You might need to it's actually possible. do it. But they don't understand how this is important. They're not operating at at a sufficiently high enough level. But most people don't. All right. And that's what sets us that's what sets us apart from from everybody else. We're not interested in using every one of the machines on the floor. Mm-hmm. We're interested in making our people strong and we know how to do that. And we've come up with a very good very good program for doing it that way and we constantly refine we omit we add to we refine we we perfect and we we're operating at the highest level in the industry at this point and you have done an excellent job through uh, your contacts with focus and just overall in terms of your ability to to uh, help people get through the, through this course. How many uh, how many starting strength coaches have you generated through the program? Uh, five, five now. Five. And uh, <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know of any other organization that's sent that many through. Although our friend Brogy is getting close. He's uh, got a fire lit under him out there in California. Well, I'm not there but, anymore. But uh, no, no, you, you, and you haven't been for quite some time, <laughs> so, or, or I would imagine the count would be higher, right. right? But you've got people that are coming up underneath you. Oh yes, at Starting Strength Dallas, absolutely. And, uh, Very promising coaches. So, so you've got uh, you you know how to do this. You know how to turn people from pin setters into into strength coaches. So tell us about the difference between pin setters and strength coaches, and tell us what you have done that has successfully marshaled these people in the right direction. Big question. Take your time. 
<laughs> I think there are a percentage of people that will always be pin setters. Yeah. That's what it is, you know? Oh, I completely agree. And it has to do with intelligence. It, it's intelligence. It? It's more than intelligence. It's all That's a component. Oh, it is a but component. But it's also a, a uh, willing uh, ignorance. Mm-hmm. They're presented with information. They're presented with a logical argument. I said, no, it can't be that. That they, choo- that they choose, choose to ignore. To ignore. And these might be intelligent people. And, you know, it's, that's a problem. Um, the students at the school who uh, went on to become starting strength coaches, they first expressed an interest in the barbell training. And it was just from that interest that I was able to show them how to do the lifts correctly. And, you know, I'm not presenting any new material. I'm presenting starting strength. The arguments that are laid out in starting strength are really hard to argue with should you, you know, actually open your eyes and your ears and mm-hmm. don't turn a blind eye and be willfully mm-hmm. ignorant. And then from there, they started doing the program, saw that, hey, this works. And a lot of them are coming into the program having already, you know, danced around the skirts of the fitness industry. Mm-hmm. Okay. And for the first time, they're seeing remarkable progress. Which is, you know, that's how I got into it. personally. Themselves, personally. That's how I got into it. I've tried, you know, probably every program out there, you know, from Flex Magazine to Training for Warriors, all that stuff. we all did it. You know. We all did it. And when I was introduced to Starting Strength by a coworker at Focus, that would have been like 2009, 2010 maybe, early 2010, uh, it was the first thing that I had seen in the entire fitness industry that was logical straightforward, no bullshit, for all the reasons that everybody is attracted to starting strength, right. who is already attracted to starting strength, and started doing the program right. and made gains. Gains like I'd never seen before, even having been in the industry since like 2004. And so I think the people that went on to become starting strength coaches have seen the same thing. Right. Well, you're, you know, once again, uh, we come back to Personal experience under the bar being, sure. a, being an important component of this, 100%. and you're speaking of it from a from a, from the standpoint of being motivated to continue doing it. Right. Uh, there is a there's another component to personal experience that makes a great deal of difference in terms of your ability to coach. And for those of you that haven't watched it, I would and and are interested in this the coaching aspects of the things we're talking about here. There is a very, very good video on our website called The Coaching Eye Mm -hmm. by Dr. Steph Bradford. This is extremely important information. It's not available anywhere else in this industry. She makes some extremely valuable observations about how you learn physically and how your having learned stuff with your body affects your ability to see movement in others and correct it. And it's, this is completely missing from anybody else's discussion of, uh, exercise pedagogy. And, uh, yeah, that, that is a, that's an extremely important video. We've all watched it and Mm -hmm. it just, you know, it's dumbfounding how much difference it makes. It really is. If you, you need to watch that if you're interested in being a coach. 
First thing you ought to do, stop this podcast right now and go watch that video. It's about an hour long. It'll, it'll, it'll change your, your perspective on what it means to be a movement coach. All right, so to refresh your memory about the original question, what, how did you get these people shoved through this program? It, it's quite a journey from pin setter at Golds mm-hmm. to coaching the power clean. Sure, yeah. Coaching the squat. These are, these are complicated movements. And setting pin doesn't require any of those skills. So Correct. how do you get people headed in the direction of separating body parts from movement patterns? Well, they got to do the program. And in doing so, I coach them. Right. So they know what good coaching actually is. I coach them. Right. They do the program, and then they take what they know right now, which is not that much, but it's something, mm-hmm. and they try it out on somebody else. Mm-hmm. So I coach them, and they coach others. Mm-hmm. They shadow me. Right. They watch me coach other people. I come over there, and I ask them, hey, what did you see? Right. How would you fix Just it? Just to see what their eye perceived. Yeah. Yeah. And then once we start to get on the same, or they start to get on the same wavelength as me, Mm -hmm. I say, what did you see? Uh, I think that was a little high. Yes. Fix it. How would you fix it? And if I like their answer. Which is a different question entirely. Yeah. If I like their answer, I say, okay, good. Go. Go and fix it then. Right. So this would be a good time to reiterate the, the, the four components that we teach. In fact, this is our first lecture on Friday afternoon, uh, the four components of coaching. And maybe this will help us order our thinking about this. The first component is, is experience, which means personal experience. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah. You cannot do this. You cannot coach somebody else through this if you have not first done it yourself. Information, we you, call this. You know. So it, experience is a part of it, but you, this is where a knowledge of the hip anatomy, right? Hamstring anatomy comes into play. This is where you, where it first begins to dawn on you that we're not concerned with muscle groups because we have to understand at this level how all of these muscle groups create a movement pattern. Sure, and right. this is the part that can be learned, you know, right. on your own through books, right. through videos. Better if you can go to like some kind of anatomy lab, you know. If you, but if most you people can. don't have access to cadaver. Anatomy, no, you don't have access if, to cadavers. But 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 if you've got uh, if you've got a uh, hundred bucks and you can pick up a copy of Netter Fifth Edition, sure, you should do that because yeah. uh, the more of this anatomy you understand, you're going to have to understand the anatomy before you can possibly understand how all of these separate anatomical components fit into a system that produces a movement pattern. Because remember, we are not training a muscle group. We are training a movement pattern. Our approach is completely different to that of a personal trainer. Personal trainers think in terms of buys and tries and quads and hammies and calves and abs and pecs and delts and all this shit. We don't think in terms of that. We think in terms of movement patterns. We think in terms of the squat and the press, which are composed of muscle groups. And how those muscle groups interplay uh, 
you really can't understand unless you understand the actual details of the anatomy. So uh, this, this first component of coaching, this information thing, is composed of the, the things that you can learn about physical science sure, and about anatomy and about physiology and all this stuff that, that the first couple of years of a decent science education can teach you at a right. four-year school. On the, at the same time, you might also be learning way more than is actually applicable as a barbell coach, if that's right. what you are trying to do. Right. So better still would be a curated list of you need to learn about this here, and mm -hmm. you need to learn about this here. You probably don't need to learn about the muscles of the face. No. No, and, uh, you know, the muscles of the face are part of a complete education. Don't you get quizzed on them. You're not going to be, you're not going to get me to say that you don't need a complete education, but in terms of a discussion of creating a movement coach, uh, the muscles of the face ought to be something that you learn because you're curious about anatomy, but it doesn't necessarily need to be a part of a curated course on how on anatomy for coaches. Right. Right. But learn it anyway, because you ought to want to know. Right. And then uh, the second part of coaching is teaching. Mm -hmm. You have to have a broken down way of how to teach something that is complicated. Right. And when you receive that instruction from somebody else, you realize very quickly, hey, this is valuable because I'm taking some of that's you know, in the starting strength book, it's what, 76 pages. Mm -hmm. And yet we're able to deliver the information that we need to, because we right. don't have to deliver all of it no. right up front. The information not that we client, need to. Not to a 14-year-old kid. Right. Not to a 55-year-old woman. Less we, than 10 minutes. Right. In less than 10 minutes. Yes. Efficiently teach them the part they need to know to make a squat occur. But this is what we see from a lot of... Uh, green coaches who maybe mm -hmm. haven't worked with a starting strength coach, mm -hmm. uh, certainly in, in personal trainers, because they want to seem, you know, highly, highly educated. So they'll go into this litany of explanation and the why and the what and the and use very complicated terms. And, you know, it, it's more about elevating themselves than it is about teaching that individual yeah. how to actually yeah. move correctly. Right. And that process is facilitated by somebody who's done it, a starting strength coach. Yeah, one of, the, one of the things that we teach you to do when we teach you how to coach is economy of instruction. We learn, we teach you how to, how to teach this quickly and simply and directly without a lot of wasted time because we are professionals. Time is money. A uh, professional barbell coach has got you for an hour and a half, and that's all he's got you. And all of this information that you're going you're gonna to leave with your client has got to be transmitted to the client efficiently and quickly, but more importantly, at the level that the client can understand. Mm -hmm. Now, this means, this is very important, you will teach a 14-year-old kid at a different level than you will teach a 28-year-old guy with a Ph.D. in anatomy, mm -hmm. right? You have to be able to relate to both of those people. Sure. 
And if you can't relate to both those people, that there's a hole in your in your preparation. Uh, Which means we, you- we ought to be able to 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 interact at the level that a person educated in human anatomy can understand us and not make any mistakes. Sure. We need to understand planes of motion. Yes. You know, we need to understand anatomical reference terminology so that we can have a conversation with a doctor or physical therapist without sounding like a dumbass. Absolutely. But we're not going to use that information on the 14-year-old kid. Right. And we have to know the difference. We have to have the judgment. Sure. To exercise at what level we're transmitting information. But we that means that we must be prepared at this level, right, and able to deliver it here and here and here and here. Sure, right. And the the third thing that that we as coaches do is we evaluate the teaching that we have just performed. In other words, we're standing on a platform in real time. I'm here. He's here. He squats. I watch him squat, and I have to look at what he's doing, and I have to compare what he's doing both to what I just told him to do and to what he ought to be doing to do it perfectly. I have to be able to evaluate what I'm seeing him do right now. Now, this is, a, this is an important skill, and it takes a long time. I'd say my knee-jerk reaction is to say years to develop. And I think it to, to operate as an evaluator at a very, very high level, it takes, it takes several years and tens of thousands of reps yeah. to get this done. Now, you may be able to function perfectly well after 8 or 10 or 12 months. Right. Agreed. But you're not going to be operating at my level for a long, long time. Sure. Yeah. Right. And this really is where – the rubber meets the road Absolutely. for the would-be barbell coach. Absolutely. Because this is a thing that you cannot just study by watching videos. No. By reading a textbook. Right. This is a thing where it is extremely helpful to have some hands-on training with somebody who knows what they are doing. Yes. So that they can point out, okay, this is what knee slide looks like. This is what it looks like. For, no, you need to be standing right here to see what I am seeing. Mm-hmm. So there's this is really where the application comes mm-hmm. into play. Absolutely. You not everybody can see everything. Sure. Right. And putting all of the elements of a complicated movement pattern together so that all aspects of, for example, a clean are being evaluated, it just takes time. Yeah. You have to train your eye. Training your eye takes a long, long time. And you can't train your eye with a video. You can't just look at videos and get good at this. You can look at videos and get better mm-hmm. than you are now. Mm-hmm. But reps on the platform in the gym is where you develop the coaching eye. The, the coaching eye is since you've all stopped what this podcast and looked up the coaching eye video. And, and now, welcome back to our discussion. <laughs> you, you understand now that part of your ability to see what the client, what the athlete, the trainee is doing on the platform, part of your ability to do that is developed by your having done the same thing yourself. So that your eye is being filtered through your own motor pathways and can help you evaluate what 
this guy that I'm coaching right now is feeling under the bar. And, uh, you know, it just, it takes a lot of reps in terms of you under the bar. It takes a lot of reps that you're observing on the platform. This is a, this is and this thing right here that we're talking about. The ability to evaluate is what most candidates for the starting strength coach evaluation have the biggest amount of trouble with is their ability to see the same things that we can see happening on the platform because it's, there is no way to obtain this without a bunch of experience. And there's no way to obtain the experience without going into the gym and doing it yourself, going into the gym and helping other people do it themselves. And even better than that would be going into the gym and getting helped by somebody who has done all this. You know, I failed my first platform uh, in 2013. I had the teaching down, you know, because right. I memorized it off the book. I knew the the anatomy. I had it, you know, right. my bachelor's degree in the sciences of exercise. Uh, but the evaluation part wasn't there. Right. Not the first time around. No. Because you hadn't thought about it this way previously. I hadn't thought about it this way previously, sure. I mean, I understood what the major errors right. were. But it's it's one thing to understand what it is, and then it's another thing to see the problem in real time and be able to fix it. And I wasn't right. prepared for that first seminar right. to do that. Most people aren't. We've had our best coaches, the best coaches we've got passed the seminar the second time they took it. And yet very few people come through and just smash this to death the first time. And yet those five coaches that we talked about right. that came out of our program, that came we out of came out of your program, did in fact pass the platform the first time. All five. Because they had the benefit of your having <laughs> fucked it up. Very much so. And very much and so. They knew from your experience what to do right. to get better prepared than you were. And this is look, this is just life. This is teaching. This is mm-hmm. the way things go. And some of the drills that we would do is I would get under the bar and I would mess it up intentionally in a very specific way mm-hmm. and ask them. To both identify what did, what did you see? and fix it. What did you see? And I would every rep, as they if they didn't see it right away, I would start to make the error more and more egregious. Right. Until they finally saw until it. Until it okay, finally dawned on it. It took you five reps to what get it. What are my knees doing? <laughs> right. Look at my knees on this next rep. Do you see this? What's wrong with this? Right. And you can't get that from a textbook. No, you can't. You can't get that from a video. There's not a textbook besides ours that even knows there's a way to do it. (laughs) True. (laughs) That's absolutely true. So we keep dancing around this fourth point. Correction. Right. Communication is is the way we talk about this. All right. We you have to be able to communicate with a trainee based on the first three things based on your information, the information you have, based on the fact that you've taught them to do this thing a certain way, based on the fact that now that they're executing this movement pattern, that you can evaluate what's right and what's wrong with it and why and understand why well enough to communicate a correction to this person. And and communication, some people can do all of the first three perfectly. 
and have not got the ability mm-hmm. to communicate about difficult movement patterns and corrections. Mm-hmm. Some people lack the personality to do this. Not everybody that that is a very good evaluator based on on having the information they need to teach, having taught it correctly, and able to see it. Not everybody is still able to, in real time, tell you how to fix things. Well, it's an additional skill. It is. It's, it's one of the many skill. skills that you need it's to com- be an effective barbell coach. It's a separate skill completely. Well, I Your guess there's online com- coaching for them if they want it. Yeah, that works just fine as an incomplete version of coaching. But it's, sure. But but telling somebody how to fix the next rep. Here's the first rep, all right? Mm-hmm. What did I see wrong? Mm-hmm. What do I need to tell this person to get the second one better than that? That's... It's and, a lot of pressure, and it's got to happen. Got time like that? It's got to happen. It has to happen uh, in a way that the the person you're trying to coach can understand it. They have to be able to hear you. Mm-hmm. If you're not noisy and loud and forceful and a big giant pain in the ass, you're probably not going to be a very effective coach. Right. In a, in a noisy gym. And let's talk about right. why that's important that you get the next rep fixed, because of the next rep still has the same problem as the first rep. Well, what are they doing now? Practicing They're doing practicing, it wrong. Practicing it wrong two reps now instead of one. Right. And then three reps now instead of one. Right. And then four reps now instead of one. And then on the fifth rep, if it's still wrong, congratulations. <laughs> you have just further embedded an incorrect movement. The whole set. That's right. The whole set. The whole set acted this, as incorrect practice. This is why what we do is hard. Yes. This is why there's not very many starting strength coaches out there. So how do personal trainers get to be starting strength coaches? How do you – are there some people that can personal train and not coach? There are probably oh, lots yeah. of those. Oh, absolutely. I would right. say that the first half of my career was exactly that. Right. It was, it was, it was paid babysitting. Right. It was Oh, that's harsh, but that's exactly I'm sorry. What, it that's was what, that's fitness based on. babysitting. You know, set leg extensions. Now let's talk about the grandkids. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right? absolutely. Absolutely. You uh, <laughs> you know, you'd have to read newspaper articles, you'd have to listen to NPR to give yourself something to talk to right. with that client uh, in between sets. Right. Because part of that that uh, them coming back, you know, retention being the number one or number two thing in a personal yeah. trainer's you know, industry. You they know, had to have thoroughly had to enough like enjoyed the visit. That's right. <laughs> well, that's, and that's the how visit. it's evaluated. Yeah. You know, that's, do they want results? Yes, they want results. But what's the number one thing that a personal trainer is probably training? I'm not talking about specific cases. I'm talking about average it out. Mm-hmm. Well, the client wants to be in shape. What does that mean? That probably means that their main priority is losing weight. Right. Which we already not know. Ex- which is not an exercise It's not going to happen in the gym anyway. It's not an exercise process. So, so you're already trying to solve a problem without the correct tool. Right. So let's shift the focus on, okay, well, how can I just keep them coming back? Right. I'm sorry. You know, again, we have to say that there are exceptions to that. Um, but I think one of the problems with a personal trainer not problems with, but the challenges that a personal trainer who wants to become a barbell coach is going to be faced with is their audience. The people Mm -hmm. that are in the gym that are seeking a personal trainer. Mm -hmm. Are they looking for a strength coach? 
Usually not. Not all of them at all. Usually not. So that was one of my challenges when I first was studying to become a starting strength coach was, okay, now I've got these people who I know will be so much better served doing barbell training, Mm -hmm. getting stronger, and that's a hard sell if they've been training with other trainers or they've been involved in any way in the fitness industry, which just pushes out all of this crap of just changing the exercises, you know, five ways to get bigger biceps. And now I've got to fight against that. Right. The benefit of of working with somebody at a starting strength gym is that that clientele has already been filtered for you. Yes. They already know what they have signed up for because we don't have anything in the gym but squat racks and barbells. Right. We don't have dumbbells. Yeah. You know what you're getting into. Right. We're going to teach a squat, press, deadlift, bench press, and you're going to get stronger. And all those goals that you came in with will improve as a result of that. You know, we've already had the conversation that weight loss is nutrition anyway. We've but had not that everybody can understand that. Can oh, they? it's a hard sell. Sure. Not everybody can understand that all of that stuff, getting in shape, aesthetics, stamina, all this other shit, everybody wants to do when they come into the gym happens with the squat, the press, the deadlift, the bench press, and the power clean. Absolutely. It's difficult to make some people understand. <laughs> this how I said some people understand this. It's difficult. Stupid people <laughs> like, com- like complexity. Complexity appeals to people of average intelligence. I, I know that's condescending and harsh, but look at it. Look at it. Right? Mm-hmm. You've got people who are impressed by a giant room full of machines. I don't know that you can make them understand that those five basic exercises... right get far more accomplished in a much, much shorter period of time toward what they want to do. That is the challenge. I don't know if they can understand it. That is the challenge that a personal trainer is faced with if they want to become a barbell coach. Now they're operating inside of an environment that is not suited to their development. Right. If that's what they want to do. Now, if you just want to be a pin setter, go ahead, set the pins. But fine. A, a barbell, a strength coach, a professional barbell coach that coaches strength under the bar has got to be able to explain, not to all of his clients, because some of them are already on board, but to people who are on the fence, if we're in a situation where, and, you know, at some point we're going to have to do sales too, they're going to have to oh, be yes. able to convincingly explain why these five exercises the five exercises that barbell coaches teach mm-hmm. are going to going to be better suited to the client's schedule, budget, everything else than this room full of machines that don't actually do anything. Absolutely. Absolutely, 100%. The personal trainer is not operating in isolation, though. There's other personal trainers at the gym. Right. Personal trainers, manager they probably don't understand this process. They certainly don't understand it to the degree that we do. So all I'm saying is that a personal trainer is in a situation where they've got everything working against them to try to make the sale or the pitch or the argument 
that you don't need to do the leg extension. You don't need right. to do the leg press. What we need to do is go into one of these two squat racks, because you know they probably only have two, right? and do these lifts. And let me show you how to do these lifts. So what do you say to a, an above-average personal trainer? Because that's who we're talking to. Mm-hmm. To an above-average personal trainer, someone who knows that setting pins is not what he wants to do from now on. He likes this business. He likes seen helping the people get strong. He's seen the light. What do you say to him to get him headed in our direction? I say you need to get a starting strength coach. You need to go and work directly with a starting strength coach. And the amazing thing that we have nowadays that we didn't have when I became a starting strength coach is we've got the starting strength gyms. We've got the starting strength gyms that have apprentice opportunities. Yes. And the, the real benefactor in the apprentice uh, program is the apprentice themselves mm-hmm. because we give them a membership to the gym because they've got to do the program. They need to experience the program from the perspective of the client, the paying client, so mm-hmm. that later on, if there is an opportunity available to actually hire them as staff, they know it that much better from the client's perspective. Right. They, they get so much more out of it than we do as the gyms, as we've already discussed. When you've got somebody coming to the gym who doesn't necessarily know how to do this, what do we get out of it? Right. Well, I see it as an opportunity for the future so that later on, when I need a staff member, I can pull directly from that pool. Right. And that's what Focus did, too. Out of the school, the highest uh, performing students mm-hmm. did their internship at Focus, and if they did well with that, they were then interviewed and hired at Focus. Right. It's a it's a great way to go about doing it. Right. Skimming off the top. Sure. So starting to drink gyms right now has got about fifteen gyms in the pipeline right now. This represents apprentice opportunities for a whole bunch of people. Sure. Now, what do we expect out of our apprentices? They're going to show up and they're going to train. And they're going to train hard, and they're going to listen to their coach, and they're going to do the program, and they're going to study on their own as well as They're going to be the in gym. the coaching development course. That is the study. Through our website. Right. We have a, we have a, a curated – I love that word. It's just come into recent use. It's so useful. We have a curated course of study, and we know what you need to learn. And we're going to teach it to you. And if you'll go to our website, you can involve yourself in this right now. The coaching development course at startingstrength.com is an opportunity for you to start heading in the correct direction. This thing has been worked on for a year and a half, two years. And it is the product of a whole bunch of people's uh, tireless effort toward figuring out what generated the best coaches through our system and then building on what that did and making that even better and providing you with a with a pathway to get through this thing and uh for those of you that are in in college right now in uh uh in a taking a science degree a biology degree or something like that if you really want to be a coach, you're in a pretty good position having a nice, strong background in the basic sciences to get this done quickly and efficiently. What would be your advice for a, a kid in school right now? Let's say he's, 
in the second year of his exercise physiology program at a four-year college. Well, if they want to be a barbell coach and they're near a starting strength gym, mm -hmm. then they should reach out to the starting strength gym and see about getting an apprenticeship position at that gym. And part of the apprenticeship, as you mentioned, is going to include enrolling in the coaching development program. Right. Because just showing up at the gym and coaching and getting the experience on the platform, all that's wonderful and great. You can't do without that. But I also don't have the time to tutor you in right. anatomy and tell you to no. look at this page and look at that page. I've got a gym to run too. Right. You know? So if you are near starting strength gym, then you reach out to that gym and you see about getting an apprentice level position. Right. If you're not near a starting strength gym, then you need to hire a starting strength coach if you're near one. Mm -hmm. Get worked on at least once a week. Right. You know? And keeping in get, mind that your training is the basis right. for the for the body of information that you are eventually going to be able to coach. But just like so many people who train on their own and then come to, into our gym, and it's obviously not perfect, you know, we fix every single person who comes into our gym, no matter how long they've been training on their own, mm -hmm. having that coach that they're going to work with, uh, their eyeballs on you as a lifter, invaluable, completely invaluable. So you need to have work, you need to work with a starting strength coach at some point, somewhere. You, yes. you've got, if you got to fly to one of the seminars or one of the workshops, whatever, you need to do that. Because without that, you're probably doing it wrong. I can almost guarantee it. Well, know? of course, we've got people every month at a seminar who've been who've read the books four times, you know, that have been trained in people uh, that are squatting with two vertical back angles. Well, that was me. My first seminar, I worked up to a 405 squat. I thought that was pretty good for a body weight of like, 185 or and whatever. It, and it was. And, but it you know, could have been better. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, he ripped me apart on my first set. Right. So, yes, of course. You work with the starting strength coach in whatever capacity that you can. An ideal scenario is you train at the actual gym, at a starting strength gym. But if you can't mm -hmm. do that, find a way to work with a starting strength coach. Find clients that you can coach and enroll in the coaching development program so that you can follow that curated curriculum that leads you from the basics to the more advanced, that lays mm -hmm. down the foundation, that gives you a pathway to studying this material in a very productive way, in a, in a way that is almost certainly more productive than you just trying to collect all of the resources yourself and studying everything. Because right. you can get an anatomy and physiology book, and half of that will not apply to what you need to know right. as a coach. Now, is it good information to have? Of course. Yeah, you need to know anatomy and physiology, irrespective of the quadriceps. Right. Because the more you can appreciate the body as a system, then the more you will appreciate our approach to strength training as movement pattern strengthening. Sure. We look at the whole thing, not... This sure no right? I, absolutely. But, and the more you know about the salivary glands, I, they're not directly applicable, but it's a system. The thing is a system, and you have to know how the system works before you have enough of an education to appreciate the whole picture that we're trying to give you. Having known about salivary glands, I guess I can say I appreciate that we don't really talk about it much on the platform. We don't discuss it much on the platform, <laughs> but. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yes, Rip. Oh, good. So, you know, you people that are watching this that are actually working in the fitness industry right now, you got into it for a reason. 
Okay, I don't know what your reason was, but this would be something that would be an important question for you to answer for yourself. What do you want to do? Do you just like being around fit people? I understand that. You like the girls? <laughs> I understand that. You like the guys? I understand that. I understand all that stuff. But you as a professional in the fitness industry uh, had to have understood at some point that operating at the level of the exercise floor in a commercial gym is not very lucrative. You're not making a lot of money. And if you want to stay in this business, you need to ask yourself why you want to stay in this business instead of moving on to real estate or whatever it is you're going to do. Uh, you want to stay in this business. Uh, why do you want to stay in this business? What about this do you like? And how would you be best satisfied in, in remaining in this business. Strength coaching is a is not the same thing as personal training. Not even close. It's not the same thing. The not differences are, are terribly important. And yet we generally have the same motivation of why we got into it. Right. When, when we asked people right. this question, like part of the interview process, in fact, uh, I had to prepare our students at the vocational school for interviews and I would mm -hmm. tell them, do not give the following two answers because you will be among the 500 other people who gave the same answer. Those two answers, right. I want to help people. That's cute. That's yeah, that's cute. cute. Everybody <laughs> wants to help people. Oh, that's cute. Oh, yes. They want to work for a nonprofit when they want to help people. <laughs> and number people. two, I'm passionate about fitness. <laughs> that's what you say on a Don't give on those the commercial. two responses. That's what the F45 commercial says, that they're passionate about fitness. Passionate about fitness. We don't want to hear that shit. I hate it. I hate it so much. I don't much. want to hear that shit. You what? hear it so many times, yeah. it, just, it just turns you off. Yeah, but, just, you know, it, 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 of course, it's true. Okay. Well, but, yeah, but, but can you not be more articulate than that? Right. I mean, really, seriously, if you can't be more articulate than that, you can't sell either the gym or yourself. The real answer for why you want to do this is because you train yourself. You enjoy training. You enjoy helping other people train. Don't say passionate. Say it's it's a personal interest of mine, and I would rather work in a, something that I'm personally interested in than going to a real estate office because that's really what we want here. Right. That's what we want to hear. I've devoted a lot of time in my own personal life to making myself stronger. And I know a lot about it. Mm -hmm. And I think that my skills are valuable. And I think that people will pay me to help them. And I think, therefore, that I can be of benefit to you, my employer, and to me and the members. For my students watching, that, that's how you answer it. Yes. Much better. So uh, – uh, the, the difference between a personal trainer and a, and a strength coach is, is one of uh, deliberate development in the direction of all of the stuff that, that we teach in starting strength. Mm -hmm. We teach movement patterns, not muscle groups. We right. teach force production. Right. We teach competence and precision on a very few movement patterns, not learning 32 different exercise exercise variations with a kettlebell. 
Correct. We're not interested in that. We're interested in figuring out the best way to teach this individual how to squat and to get his squat from 115 to 305. Because it works better. Because it works better. For all of the reasons that the client wants to be here, it works better to get them stronger. So if you want to help them, what's going to help them more? Getting their squat from 85 pounds to 225 or teaching them a new exercise every week because it keeps them engaged. Right. That's the the difference. It's a difference in approach. Right. It's a difference in approach and it's a difference. It's a difference in the approach between our gyms, our franchise gyms and our affiliate gyms and all of the general fitness industry clubs in the market. Now there are a lot more employment opportunities for personal trainers than there are for starting strength coaches. That's fair. But there is more demand for starting strength coaching than there is for personal training because the demand is growing. We are making this demand grow. This podcast generates interest and the book sales the presence of new gyms, driving down the street and seeing starting strength on the building. All of this is building demand, even as we speak. Book sales have increased every month since the book came into print. We're selling more books than we ever have. And more and more people are beginning to understand this basic message that strength is the most important component of fitness. It's the most developable component of fitness, and it is the thing that, that, that generates benefits through all of the rest of the things that people typically talk about in terms of fitness. Mm-hmm. Getting stronger, most important thing you can do. Ours is the most efficient way to do it. And there's a demand for this product. Absolutely. Well, one of the other differences between, you know, a pin setting, personal trainer, even a good personal trainer, mm-hmm. and a barbell coach is the way the the job on a day-to-day is set up for a personal trainer, especially a new one, is that the majority of their clients, they have to generate themselves. Right. They have to either... If they work for the club. It, yes, yes. If they work for the well, club... you might have a freelance personal trainer that's actually paying the club for them to be there. But how do they get their clients to begin with? Right. That's not a That's not a new personal trainer. That's a trainer who's right. already been around a while and has developed right. has their brought, clientele. Has brought clients with them into That's the That's the only way a club will let them do that. Right. I'm bringing you business. Right. I've got this clientele book. I negotiate a rate down to this. Right. Okay? But that's not how a new personal trainer enters right. the industry. The, the new personal trainer that goes to work for the gym. Right. Starts off at $10 an hour. It's nothing. It's and, nothing. They're working floor shifts. Right. Handing out towels. Uh, it's, it's miserable. They're just, they're they're not really personal trainers or floor staff. It, 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 yeah, no, that's exactly what it is. That's really what they're called. They're floor floor staff staff. and And they're headed in the direction of wanting to be a personal trainer. It's tough. You know, you've got to try to pick up clients and leads off of the, off the floor or, or stand at the front desk. Hi, have you had your fitness assessment today? It's tough, man. It's not fun. They put plates up all day. That's right. You're selling to people who don't want to be sold to clean up. Starbucks coffee that's left beside right. the leg extension machine, that sort of shit. And maybe you'll get one of those fitness evaluations or fitness assessments out of it, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, early on, your schedule as a trainer looks like Swiss cheese. 
because mm-hmm. you just have to be willing to take anybody who's going to be willing to train with you because you got that sale. So mm-hmm. now you've got a 5 a.m., you've got three hours of a break, and then you've maybe got an 8 a.m., and then maybe later on you come back to the gym for your 4 or 5 p.m., mm-hmm. and it takes a long time to develop in your, your clientele book to eventually fill it in, and then mm-hmm. you know skew it towards either the morning clientele or the evening clientele because if you try to do both, you're going to burn out. And I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen plenty of times. They just burn out. It's not a sustainable Mm -hmm. lifestyle. It's not a sustainable career for people. Whereas as a professional barbell coach, most of the people are going to be coming to you already looking for this product, starting Mm -hmm. strength. Right. Right. When you have the starting strength credential, people are reaching out to you. Right. And you tell them when you're available. (laughs) You they don't tell option. you when they're available. You have that option. Right. And, you know, back when I was teaching in New York, that was my nine to five. So uh, if you wanted to train with me, you had to train with me right before and, or right after. And I don't think I even took clients right after anymore. Mm-hmm. I just right before. And we mm-hmm. got enough uh, business and interest generated that we started a class. So now I can see more than one person at a time. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen with any other credentialing agency. Don't happen with CSCS, NSCA. Right. It just it doesn't. And personal trainers, look, if you guys we're talking to you specifically this time, if you guys are are uh, interested in operating at a higher level in this business, making more money, I promise you, making more money than you are right now. You need to talk to us about this and uh, go to the website and look up our coaching development opportunities. Look up the coaching course. We have coaching development camps. In addition to the seminars, we have coaching development camps uh, in gyms all over the country that are specifically designed to teach you how to coach the, the lifts, coach the squat. A squat coaching development camp lasts about five hours, and that during that period of time, we give you a hell of a bunch of information that you can't get anywhere else. And everybody that comes to this camp leaves immediately a better coach the next day for coaching the most important barbell exercise there is. And we've spent a lot of time developing these coaching products, coaching development course. Brent's helped us with the development of all of this stuff. He's an integral part of our of our team here, and uh, we uh, encourage you to visit him at Starting Strength Dallas. It's at the corner of Greenville Avenue and Carruth Haven, mm-hmm. right in the middle of town. That's right. And uh, he's, you know, got time to stop, say hello. He's busy, but he'll stop and say hello to you, which is more than I'll do. Brent, <laughs> thanks for coming today. Sure thing. And uh, this has been a hopefully this has been a productive discussion. If you are uh, in this industry and want to advance up the ladder toward actual strength coaching, uh, if you've got any questions about this, don't hesitate to ask us on the website. We're at startingstrength.com. Put it on the forums. We've got a coaching forum where. These questions that you might have would fit very nicely. I watch this, Brent watches this, and we'll we welcome your participation there. Any questions you've got, please let us know. And thanks for you joining us today on Starting Strength Radio. We'll see you again next Friday. <laughs>